CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Friday, November 19th, 2021. Here's the headline in the Chicago Tribune, home delivered every day. Yeah, I don't just get the Sun-Times. I don't just get the New York Times. I get the Tribunal as well, Chicago Tribune. Jury ends third day without a verdict. This is a very appropriate one we're going to be talking about with my guest. Jury ends third day without a verdict. Here's the lead. They sent three reporters out there. As jury deliberations dragged into a third full day, Kyle Rittenhouse's attorney, Mark Richards, came into the courtroom for a change of scenery. He has spent much of his time since closing argument on a different floor of the stately Kenosha County Courthouse waiting for a sign of where jurors were in their discussion. Considered one of the best criminal defense attorneys in Wisconsin, he had never had a jury take longer than 18 hours to make a decision. That's called reporters really scrambling to say something, anything, as they sit around a courthouse for three days waiting for a verdict to come and losing their minds. They go, I know, I'll squeeze something out of this lawyer. I'll call him the be- one of the best defense lawyers in the state of Wisconsin. Maybe he'll talk to us. Anyway, I'm very cynical and jaded because I've been in this business way too long. We're going to bring on my distinguished guest who's not cynical, not jaded, and has not been in the business way too long and has a fresh, optimistic view of the world every single time I talk to her. (laughs) Even she's laughing at that one. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Um, My name is Ramana Hussein. I'm an assistant editor on the news desk at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes. And she's also, as you know, a columnist uh, and uh, wrote a few editorials uh, uh, for the sometimes. And you're also, I just want to le- alert our listeners, uh, keeping uh, your eye out for breaking news regarding the, um, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, uh, whether the jury is now in its fourth day of deliberations, I think, isn't that right? Uh, Ramana four days, fourth day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and just to let you know, um, I am checking the AP wires and there looks like there is a verdict. So we'll probably hear within the hour what the verdict is. Whoa. You want to make a prediction? Um, I'm going to say he might get acquitted. I don't know about the lesser charges, but on the serious charges, yes. He'll get acquitted. All right. Well, let's talk about that. And um, 
I know you have some strong feelings about this, uh, as do I. Uh, so Kyle Rittenhouse case, pudgy white kid from Illinois goes to Kenosha with a rifle in the middle of a riot, uh, ends up killing two people and, uh, injuring a third shooting them. Uh, and the general consensus from many of the people, uh, the white people I know in the city of Chicago is Ben, you're too hard on, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. You have to understand a jury should only look at the facts in front of it. Ben, don't bring your prejudices and your worldview uh, to dis- in the discussion of this. Ben, isolate absolutely everything that ever existed in the entire world uh, away from this case and just look at the facts. And if you look at the facts, Ben, you must come to the conclusion that Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent. I'm just telling you what so many uh, white people I know have to say about this case. Your thoughts, Romana? Um, I just think... Um there's just a lot of what to unpack here. I, first of all, I want to start off saying that I do think Kyle Rittenhouse deserves a fair trial, but so do other people. And I think that um, I just feel like this case, just watching it unfold and the support Kyle Rittenhouse has gotten from the average American and just watching the judge, it's just, it's just insane. I mean, to me. All right, let's take break it down. For you said support he's gotten from average Americans and uh, the judge. Let's start with the support he's received from average Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, just like you just hear about people, like you know, just on social media, you hear people talking about you know he defended himself. You hear the Fox News types. You know, you have celebrities that bailed him out of prison. I don't think this would happen if this was a brown or a black kid. Uh, and uh, before we get to the judge, what about your thoughts? You. Uh, Spent many years covering criminal defense, uh, criminal justice matters at the uh, uh, courthouse here in uh, Chicago. Uh, And um, so this uh, admonition I get from many uh, people that don't think about absolutely anything except for that one moment uh, in uh, when Kyle Rittenhouse was confronted by the people uh, he eventually killed. And when you look at that, it's absolutely self-defense. So don't take anything else into consideration. Uh, and I, I am told that so many times by so many different people. Uh, what's your thoughts about that? What do you mean? Like what? Like that it was self-defense? I mean, you know, there's. I think the third man who was injured did have a gun on him, and he said he was pointing it at Rittenhouse, but. He also said that he thought, you know, Rittenhouse was, you know, agitator. Um, and, the, and you know, these people, if you see someone with a military weapon, I mean, how are you going to react? I just think the fact that it's like, how did it get to this point? I think if, if he was a black or brown individual, there's no way he would be able to run around with this military, you know, r- gun in a crowd of people like, you know, his mom dropping him off. I think if it was a mother who was black or brown, she would have been arrested. But this mother's allowed to drop her kid off. And his whole excuse is Kyle Rittenhouse has said that um, he was out there to protect property. And I just thought, I mean, is he really there to protect property? It's it's like what kid goes halfway, you know, or goes across state lines to protect property? Like who's, you know, was it his father's property? No. And it's just like, what, why was he going over there to do this? It's just, it just sounds, it's just, it's just like uh, uh, the whole case is just insane. I just think that if he was a black or brown kid, that never would have been the case where he like ends up in, uh, 
end up in Wisconsin with a military rifle and all the cops are okay with him waving his gun around. It's just, it's just insane to me. Well, I'll, I'll take it a step further, get your thoughts to this. Uh, and I, I just think there's a natural tendency uh, and I'm speaking on behalf of white people everywhere when I say this, okay? And, uh, uh, there's just a natural tendency uh, for white people. When you just see, like, uh, a white kid with a baby face, there's just a, um, to feel sorry for him. I'm, I'm just, it's, you may want to, like, repress it. or, But I believe, when, and I, I, I believe this is a play when I read... Uh, <laughs> Articles or essays uh, written by white people that to say you, you know, you, he was acting in self defense. I just think there's a natural inclination uh, to feel sorry for him, to sort of put yourself in his shoes, to to associate him with people that you knew, uh, similar kids that you might have known, pudgy faced kids that you knew back in the day. Do you follow what I'm saying? And I just think there's a natural inclination for, and then you reverse it. Think about it. let's talk Trayvon Martin who was killed by George Zimmerman, uh, I forget how many years ago, and George Zimmerman's contended uh, that uh, he was, it was an act of self-defense, which was utterly preposterous, but whatever. I think, similarly, when uh, white people see a black person with a hood, there's a natural tendency to be suspicious. Do you follow what I'm saying, Ramon? It's just, it's kind of bred into you. Uh that's my thoughts. Do you vehemently disagree with me or what's your reaction? No, I, I agree with you. I just feel like, I don't know if it's like a self-conscious thing or it's just subconsciously. Like it's like, it's someone that they can relate to. They see the face and then they automatically think, oh, he's innocent, you know? So we're not innocent, but they kind of have, they humanize, you know, and they naturally humanize the person. And And there's nothing wrong with humanizing anyone. I agree with that, but why humanize there's just certain people that get humanized they get afforded you know they have the privilege of being humanized while others don't so i i do think that you're what you're saying is right i do think that there is this kind of like people are like oh you're too hard on him let's look at the whole story and i agree we should look at the whole story but let's do that with everybody else like the trayvon martins of the world so i agree well it's not even look at the whole story it's only for instance so I my point is the man showed up at a riot with a rifle. Okay? I, I'm like what? Huh? How is yeah, that legal? Exactly. Exactly. Just, and then what I'm told when is is that don't look at him showing up at the riot with the rifle. Just look at what happens by the way as that in itself is not an act of aggression. Do you follow? Showing up at a riot with a rifle. Uh, is that, is, is this, is if that in itself, it's just, okay, let's just move on from that. So what they're saying is just ignore some of the, uh, the, the, the events and just concentrate on that moment in which he was um, exchanged when he shot the people, when he shot uh, uh, three people. So, uh, now you you made mention of something to me uh, about um, another thing is uh, the stories that have come out over the last ten years. I've actually had conversations with uh, your loving husband Mick about this a lot um, 
about uh, young Muslim kids who get caught up uh, in internet fantasy worlds about waging war in the Middle East and end up uh, getting prosecuted, uh, get caught up in just the world of terror, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and uh, they never actually act on the um, their fantasies, but they sure fantasize about them. They're treated a little differently in the Kyle Rittenhouse. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, the thing is, you know, you hear stories. I mean, a lot of people don't pay attention to these, but um, there are stories where, you know, young men um, who are Muslim, they're teenagers, they're misguided, and they're definitely not doing what I would support. But they're basically, you know, they get persuaded um, to, you know, they get caught in these internet chats. And then you have the FBI, um, you know, kind of watching them and they start goading them. And then, you know, these kids end up getting arrested for saying that they're going to, um, you know, that they're going to go and uh, join Al Qaeda or ISIS. And then, you know, they get caught and then they ended up, they end up getting sentenced to like several years in prison, not even like five, it's like 15 to 20 years in prison. And they're usually 17 to 18 year old kids um, teenagers, I should say, yeah, some of them are young men. And, you know, there is, you know, nobody really, there's not really that much of an outrage, because obviously, you know, what these kids are planning, sound disturbing, they definitely need mental help. But there's definitely no sympathy for these kids, and they get thrown away in jail. Meanwhile, you have called Rittenhouse, who's killed two people and injured a third person. And he's gotten all this sympathy. And I just, I start thinking about like, well, what if this was, a Muslim kid who killed two people and all of a sudden the Muslim community in the United States starts supporting them and they're like, oh, we feel bad for him. We start bailing him out. I mean, that it, it, there would just be an uproar. But meanwhile, like having support for this kid and cheering him on and saying that he's an American hero, it's, I know a lot of people are outraged by it, but really it's, this is like a very American thing right now where it's like, oh, he's a hero. And Trust me, if he gets off, we're going to find out what the verdict is later today. Um, I, I guarantee you, if he gets off and he's acquitted, he's going to be on Fox News. He's going to become an analyst at some point. His life is going to be fine. But I don't think any any other, you know, you know, children or young men, young adults who are brown or black would ever get treated the same way. And yeah, a lot of people are outraged, but there is a huge segment of the population that isn't outraged and treated this, treat this guy as a hero. And they're the same people that, you know, are okay with, you know, clamping down on other people's civil liberties, people who don't look like Kyle Rittenhouse. But when it comes to Kyle Rittenhouse carrying a gun, they all talk about the Second Amendment. So it's just insane. It's, I, I just think it's double standard. All right, let's get to the judge, Judge Schneider. Uh, you've seen a lot of judges in your life covering uh, various trials uh, down through the years. Your thoughts on his behavior? I just think his his behavior is just insane. It's, I mean, it's, I, I shouldn't say insane. I just said it's unprecedented. I've never seen judges behave like that where, you know, they say things like, oh, I'm, while I'm talking to you, um, Kyle Rittenhouse has been cleared of all murder, of all charges. So just wanted to let you know that has wow, happened right now. Wow, breaking news. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So just wanted to let you know about that. That has literally just happened. So 
Wow, breaking news in the Ben Jarofsky show. That just broke over um, acquitted of all charges. Yes, found not guilty of homicide. This is just breaking news, folks. You're hearing this breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Kyle Renhouse acquitted on all counts. Mm. Yeah. There are the five count felony counts. And uh, quiet gave way to joyful shouts from Kyle Rittenhouse supporters on the courthouse steps after the verdicts were announced of not guilty on all counts. Kyle Rittenhouse sobbed, sobbed, uh, and was held by his lawyers after the jury finished reading its verdict, finding him not guilty of all counts for his killing of two people and wounding a third. And... Um, Yes, first degree on the first count for rec first degree reckless homicide for killing Joseph Ra Rosenbaum. The jury finds Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on the second count, first degree reckless endangerment for shooting at a man. The judge finds Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty. I'm not sure why the judge weighed in on that and not the jury. Uh, on a third count, first degree reckless endangerment for shooting at an unknown man. The jury finds Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty. On the fourth and most serious count, first-degree intentional homicide for killing Anthony Huber, the jury finds Kyle Rittenhouse uh, not guilty. On the fifth count, first-degree attempted intentional homicide, uh, the jury finds Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty. Well, uh, I must say, and there's some speaking <laughs> There you have it. We, not, yeah. Wow. We, we kind of predicted it. So sorry if I sounded all like um, jumpy while I was talking to you and not coherent. <laughs> it's because I was kind of like prepping this story and because I had to keep an eye on this and uh, the story because I post um, our wire copy on our website as well. So I've been kind of handling that while we were talking. Um, so yeah, there you have it. Um, I'm sure you predicted this or saw this coming. And as, and I know as I was kind of, you know, going on about the judge, I mean, just the way the judge was behaving, it just seemed like he definitely had a viewpoint on this case. Um, it's just the way he, every time he opened his mouth, he, you know, a lot of people thought that Kyle Rittenhouse would be charged of the gun case, the gun charge. And just before the uh, jurors started deliberating, the judge cleared him of those charges. So yeah, this, this happened while we were talking and um, I, I have to say, I'm not surprised. I don't know how you feel, Ben. Um, I'll tell you how I feel. I'm upset right now. And yeah. uh, so this but is are you shocked? And I'm not shocked. I'm I'm disappointed. I thought that after because it was a four day holdout uh, that they might settle on a lesser charge. But uh, usually, usually if um, jurors are weighing in for long a long time, it usually means because um, it's it's favorable to the defendant. From what I've learned at twenty my days at twenty six in Cal. Uh, well. Anyway, I just took it the other way. I thought because I I worked from the assumption that uh, he was going to be acquitted for all the reasons yeah. you stated. Uh, yeah. And um. And just a general, I don't know, just the uh, tone and tenor of this case was leading that way. Uh, yeah. And and also there was absolutely no sympathy whatsoever for uh, Rosenbaum and Huber, the two men that he killed. We we'll get into that later. There's, uh, there's like a hatred for them or at, or just a cold indifference, which, uh, because they're lefties. And, um, so, and they were at the riot themselves. 
So their lives are worthless. So Yeah, and and one of the things that we should definitely point out, which I'm sure all your listeners know, is that the reason why um these the victims who died and were injured were killed is while they were they were there for a protest about a black man who was shot by a police officer. That's one thing I think um, you know, everybody obviously knows, but it's that's why this make this case is so political. Like these men that were killed and injured, they were protesting the fact that this black man got shot and he was paralyzed by a police officer, and they were protesting that action. There were so there was a lot of Black Lives Matters protesters out there, and then we have you know Kyle Rittenhouse coming and saying that he's protecting the property from these quote unquote you know rioters and you know looters. So there's just a lot of layers to the story. And so, you know, a lot of people of color, that's why they feel like, number one, like, why was he allowed to do this? And this was a protest, protesting, you know, for better lack of a word, is the treatment of black people in this country by law enforcement officials. And, you know, and we know that all the victims were white in this case. And we know Kyle Rittenhouse is white and this is white, as we all know. <laughs> But um, yeah, I think that's one thing that we, it's important to point out, which I'm sure all your listeners know already. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you used the word victim. We're not even allowed to call, going back to the judge, we're not allowed to call him victims. Uh, well, a, to, be, a, to, to, be, to be fair, um, that, that was a le- there is a legal argument made there. I have never seen that happen at 26 and Cal where somebody said you can't call them victims. But, but that was a fair, that was one fair thing. But it wasn't fair for the judge to say it's okay to call the men to, who were the victims um, that who were killed and injured rioters, looters, and arsonists. Cause he said they could be called that if they, they could prove that, that that's uh, what they're doing. I, I completely disagree with, uh, with you on that one. I, I don't think it's fair. Uh, they are victims. They were killed. Uh, I think that's cancel culture from the right. Uh, and <laughs> I just look at, talk about double standards when a judge does it in a court. Well, the courthouse people bend over backwards uh, to give excuses as to why he's censoring the uh, the lawyer. Well, oh, it's Kyle Rittenhouse. He shot those people. They're victims. They're dead. And I just think it's um, it, it's like it's it, a cancel culture from the right uh, and uh, censorship from the right. And I just I see it happen all the time. And, and and it's part of a larger, in my opinion, get your thoughts on this, just a larger uh, desensitization, desensitizing uh, attitude that people have in this country about Rosenbaum and Huber. Like they don't exist. They, who cares about them? No. Why were they there? I mean, they're just a bunch of Marxists. They're worthless human beings. I've heard all these things said about them and just, in most murder cases that I read about now, sure, I don't cover them like you did, but I just read about the coverage in the newspaper. The um, There's an a, a, a attempt by the prosecutors to humanize the lives of the people who were killed and to talk about them as real uh, human beings who lost their lives and there were consequences uh, for their murder. That there was no, they, they were instructed, you can't humanize the people who were killed. It was almost like they're abstractions who don't exist. You can't even talk about them as victims. So I found that, you, when you ask me what I think, 
I find that upsetting from the get go. Um, yeah, I think I think that's wrong. I mean, legally, like I did talk to a couple experts when I was um, writing an editorial about the use of the word victims, and some defense attorneys were even saying, even though they disagreed with it, they said legally there are some cases they've heard of some cases where people don't want to talk about talk about the people who were killed or injured as victims because it that w- word is like automatically assumes that you know the sus you know the defendant is guilty fine i can understand that but not humanizing the um people the 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 victims as we call them um is is insane because i've never seen that happen in my almost 10 years at the courthouse at 26 and cal i've never seen someone not humanize the people who you know are killed or are killed in you know gun violence or injured in gun violence so that that is that is a very curious thing but i told you i think it's just unprecedented the way this judge was behaving in general from the get-go i mean everything that came out of his mouth from the way he discussed um asian food you know to his cell phone ring going off you know ringer going off god bless the usa and then you know it's really bad but I know as a person of color, when you see someone who's super patriotic, a white person who's super patriotic and, you know, has like red, white and blue and like, you know, it's like playing that kind of music. You just automatically think like, oh, my God, walk away from this guy because you kind of think that he's gonna, he or she is a racist. And it's it's wrong for me to think that because that's not how I should think about the American flag or any patriotic songs. But that's what's kind of ingrained now in my head. And so he had the song play. And, you know, a lot of reporters picked up on that and just the way he was just talking. And then the fact that I forgot to bring this up, you know, they had a, they had 18 people, 18 potential jurors listening to the case. And then they were going to pick 12 people. And usually a clerk picks out of this like bucket or whatever it is um, and picks out the 12 jurors and it's all anonymous. So they don't know who they're picking, but he let Kyle Rittenhouse pick those 12 jurors. I don't know if you saw the, that picture. Oh, yeah. It was, it's just bizarre. It's, and they said that, you know, I was reading all the stories and they said it was unprecedented. They said that usually a clerk is doing that. So to have the suspect go over and it, it seems like Kyle Rittenhouse was running the courthouse at some point. It's just like the way it was, it was the way you, the optics at least. Was, uh, the, the, I can't, I just can't remember this. Was it, the, the jurors in the courthouse in the room when Kyle Rittenhouse drew the names. Um, that I don't know. I that don't I don't know. That. But I've seen pictures of him. Yeah, I, I know. I saw the pictures of him. of him drawing. I thought it was bizarre, and it, it showed uh, sort of an a, a affection the judge had for Rittenhouse. And I'll I'll talk about. I'll repeat what I said earlier. I've noticed this uh, when white people talk about Kyle Rittenhouse they have a sympathy for him based on experiences they've had in the past. I think that like he reminds them of people they've seen or, uh, or their cousins, their cousins or their nephews or, you know, their grandkids or what have you. And they just natural tendency just to, um, not take him seriously as a murderer. And, um, and when you cu- couple that with the dehumanization of the people that he killed, it's just, I, I think you're right. I, I shouldn't be shocked or surprised. I think you're absolutely correct, Ramon. I shouldn't be surprised uh, or, or shocked that he was acquitted, but I'm profoundly disappointed and um, painfully yeah, so, I, you know. 
pain for I yourself. am too. I am too. I'm just not surprised. You know, whenever people talk about white privilege and how it doesn't exist, it, this is just a prime example. I mean, a very good example of why um, many people do think white privilege exists. You can get away with almost anything. You can get away with murder being a white person. I mean, it, it and, and it's like, meanwhile, people of color have to be careful about the way we you know, they conduct themselves. Um, you have to be careful about what you say, what you, you know, <laughs> the way you move. Um, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And this is America 2021. 2021. I, 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 I think when I was, I think when I was younger, I had a lot more hope in this country, but the older I get, the more cynical I become. And I become like my father who used to tell me that a lot of people in America are racist. I'm like, no, you're so like overly sensitive. And now I feel like I've become my dad and, you know, I, I do think that this country is seriously damaged and we're not as wonderful as we think we are. No, we're not. Or have think and, we, we are. Uh, and there's so much, uh, we'll, we'll transition out of Kyle Rittenhouse because it's, uh, the more I think about it, the more upset I get. So I'll just transition out of it. Uh, yeah, we can transition out of we'll it. We'll transition out of it. But uh, your father was uh, was a wise man, and they always say that it's amazing how uh, I'm butchering a Mark Twain quote. Uh, it's amazing how much smarter my father uh, seems now than he was ten years ago. Uh, the older you get, the smarter your father looks. Uh, but similarly, uh, there's a headline in today's paper, uh, Rahm Emanuel did not cover up shooting. And so that's a Laquan McDonald. And they sat on that evidence of the shooting of Laquan McDonald for over a year and uh, only released it when a judge ordered them. And yet that's not a cover up. And so these are th these are the inconsistencies and double standards, Ramana, that we're hit with every single day. Do you follow what I'm saying? Like, well, what we see and it's so obvious to us what we like the double standard the favorite treating treatment that Kyle Rittenhouse got we're exposed to that well for how many weeks this has been going on now I mean weeks this is trial been going on we've been exposed to that on a regular basis we're supposed to ignore it Kyle, uh Laquan McDonald gets shot on uh, October 2014 in November 2015 a, Rom finally re releases the evidence of that shooting because a judge ordered him to and then we're told oh it's not a cover-up so there's things that we see right in front of us every single day and we're told no it's not that way you see the sun is out now but in reality the sun is not out so forget that what you see in front of you ramana and it's so i can understand why your father <laughs> would take a look do you follow what, if he were here with us and i wish he were i never met him but he seems like a good guy if he were here today Looking at these, the headline of Rom did not cover up shooting of a murder in which we did not see the evidence for over a year, Romana. Okay. But that's not a cover up. And then somehow or other, they're not victims, even though they were killed. And he didn't really kill them, even though he killed them. So welcome to justice. Yeah. In the United States. And we're going to talk about when we were going to talk about Malcolm X and the yes. two men who um, were exonerated this week. Um, one has one would pa passed away. So we're talking about cover ups and about the treatment of people of color in the justice system. So I, if your readers and you and I have both followed um, the case of these two men, Khalil Islam and Muhammad Aziz, um, Khalil Islam is 
passed away, but they were exonerated um, yesterday from um, the murder charges or murder conviction of killing Malcolm X. And uh, it turns out that the judge who exonerated them yesterday or cleared them of their charges basically said that the NYPD and the FBI basically withheld information that would have cleared these men back in the 60s. And so um, one of the men, Muhammad Aziz, is still alive. He's 83 years old today. And he just basically said, this should have never happened. And so we have this case of these, um, you know, black men charged in or convicted and sentenced to years in prison for the killing of this very prominent black Muslim leader in the United States and getting wrongfully convicted. And then you have Kyle Rittenhouse getting away with murder. So it's interesting. So there's three men that were char- charged and convicted in Malcolm X's murder. And the third guy, as we were talking earlier um, before we started the show, he basically said that these two guys were exonerated yesterday, had nothing to do with it. But these still these men still stayed in prison, I think, until the 80s when they were paroled. And, you know, one guy died and, you know, he he always maintained his innocence, as did the other man. So, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the documentary, um, Who Killed Malcolm X? It was on Netflix last year, and it was it was just really compelling. And I, I have to think that this is what compelled, um, you know, authorities to look into this case again and to clear these men. So, I mean, it's 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 good news, but it's also sad and speaks to how broken our criminal justice system is in the United States. Yeah, uh, well, that's a good summary. Um, and we talked about this with Monroe on Wednesday, and we're, I'm going to have a dedicate a whole show to this. Uh, this is I'm fascinated by this case. I think I said this to you, Romana. I've said it to pretty much everybody. I'm like walking around talking about the Malcolm X case. Malcolm X, of course, the great uh, 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 black Muslim leader. Uh, who was killed in 1965. That's a long time ago. That was before my guest uh, was born. That's how long ago it was. And um, he was killed in 1965. He was giving a speech uh, at the Audubon Ballroom uh, in Washington Heights in New York, February of 1965. And there was some sort of uh, diversionary uh, explosion from somewhere in the uh, back, I don't know where it was, but in the hall where he was giving the speech people's attentions returned and men stood up in the front row and gunned them down. And uh, so this was a high profile assassination that happened in the middle of the day while he was giving a speech. Uh, broke. They interrupt the news, uh, a regular scheduled program. That's how I knew about it. I was a kid. I remember this to say Malcolm X had been killed. There's this high, high profile murder. And somehow or other, Romana, of the two out of the three men who were tried and convicted and sent to prison were innocent. The third guy said, I was there. I was a participant. And he testified. He testified that the other two guys had nothing to do with it. And they still sent him to prison. And I think, Ramana, I I think about the high-profile killings that I've lived through, that my generation, the boomers, have lived through. Both Kennedys, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Uh, You could talk about the assassination attempts that... uh, were unsuccessful. Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, George Wallace, no other, no other case was, did they get it wrong? So obviously, you know, there's some people say, well, Lee Harvey Oswald, Ben didn't kill JFK. I don't buy that, but they got it wrong. 
And it blows my mind. It just seems so obvious to me, Ramana, that there's a part of this story and that is not being told. And that part of the story is what role the FBI had uh, with the investigation, with the killing, either participating in the killing itself or looking the other way when it happened. I cannot help but think that there's a huge chunk of this story that's not been revealed to us. Your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, there were um, undercover cops at the Audubon ballroom that day. There's no way. I mean, the FBI was, I mean, there's no way. We know that the FBI was looking into the nation of Islam just because of the teachings. And, you know, they were, you know, at that point, uh, most of America was just scared and perplexed by the nation of Islam and its teachings. So there's no way the FBI did not know what was happening. I think at the very least, they turned a blind eye. They saw that the, this was happening because they, they knew that there was a rift between Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X. Um, you know, Malcolm X at this point had split from the nation of Islam and was following more what we call traditional Islam and had started his own group. And, you know, Malcolm X, as we know, as most of us know, he's, you know, revered as a hero. But now when you look at, you know, he was so charismatic when you, you know, for a long time, Malcolm X was vilified, but you just watch all the clips of him. He was very charismatic. Elijah Muhammad thought he was a threat and, you know, probably wanted to get rid of him or just like, you know, get rid of the, you know, quote unquote problem. And so I think, I think, you know, the nation definitely had some sort of hand in it, but I also think authorities just sat there or or even participated or facilitated Malcolm X being assassinated. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but there's no way that they didn't turn a blind. They, at the very least, they turned a blind eye. That's what well, I think. I, yeah. I, I, there's no way that they, at the very least, they turned a blind. You're absolutely correct. And I'll tell you why. Uh, now we're heading in really into my obsession country, uh, J. Edgar Hoover, and the way uh, the FBI behaved in the 1960s. The FBI, if you read... Uh, if you read uh, any history book of the 60s, any thorough history of the 60s of the civil rights movie, the, ta the Taylor Branch books, for instance, uh, and you go back and look at the notes, you know, these exhaustive studies of the 1960s and the civil rights movement, and you go back and look at the notes, the footnotes that these historians uh, supply as evidence to support what they're saying. Much of it is based on what limited files the FBI has released regarding their surveillance. And it quickly becomes apparent that the FBI was taping the conversations of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, plus, I mean, various uh, politicians. But let's just concentrate on those three. So if you're taping the conversations of Elijah Muhammad, who's the head of uh, the nation of Islam, you know what he's saying to his lieutenants regarding Malcolm X. And if you're taping the conversations of Malcolm X, you, the FBI, know what Malcolm X is saying about his suspicions and fears, et cetera, and so forth. And of course, you know, they, they hounded Martin Luther King. They tried to drive him to suicide. They listened to his phone conversations. They taped his hotel rooms. They had evidence of his extramarital marital affairs, that they sent the tapes to King and to his wife, try to drive him to uh, commit suicide. So we know the FBI was doing this, but they won't release all the evidence, Romana. Do you follow me? They just, they're concealing. They only released some of it. 
So you're absolutely yeah. correct. There's no way they don't know. You, you know what? They have to know. They just haven't released the evidence yet. And, I agree. Uh, maybe when we're maybe when we're gone, there'll be more evidence released. <laughs> when we maybe fifty years from now. Well, I know that I will not live long enough. Uh, now I've got some years on you, so uh, you and Mick will, I think, maybe around uh, when they release <laughs> it. But you'll be ancient, and we'll that, be we'll be we'll be in a senior citizen home at that point. Yes. Now explain to me, <laughs> waving our canes. <laughs> what are they protecting us from? What are they protecting us from by not releasing information about stuff that went down in the 1960s? Because they, because I think the American government wants everybody to think that they're all innocent and never do anything wrong, but we know that's not true, right? And so there's, I don't know, I think there's just this um, romanticism of, you know, American government and we don't do the same things that other countries do or, you know, we don't target certain people and this is like, you know, we let people live the way they want to live. There's freedom and all this stuff. So I don't know. I feel like it's it, it'll be it'd be an, an embarrassment to them, and especially now that Malcolm X is considered a hero to many people, um, not just African Americans. I think um, a lot of, you know, I think a lot of white people have also kind of started, you know, reading Malcolm X and paying attention to, you know, you know, the words that he said. Because for the longest time, I mean, I never heard of who Malcolm X was until I was seventeen years old, and the fact that I was Muslim and a friend of mine had the book gave it to me I think that helped but a lot of my friends I think a lot of my white friends thought Malcolm X like they kind of vilified him and said that you know he was kind of like you know kind of like a fringe figure and I think Spike Lee and uh you know other people this resurgence like in the 90s of like people reading Malcolm X again and the movie coming out I think it made people kind of embrace him more. I think he became more embraced in the mainstream America. So I think it would be especially embarrassing to the FBI now to release that. I mean, I think they're embarrassed about what they did to Martin Luther King and recorded him. They have not released those, by the way, they've not released released those, but don't you think that there's some embarrassment that they did this to uh, Martin Luther King? I don't know. Maybe there is. I don't listen. I don't, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't buy as an excuse. Uh, no, 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 it isn't. Embarrassed. It is it's, yeah, I think all this information should be released. Uh, you know, it's so funny. Uh, so many of our politicians, oh God, this Mick and I talk about this all the time. So many of our politicians just talk about the need for transparency. They use that word all the time. And all I see is the opposite of transparency. Everywhere I look... You know what I'm saying? Like this, like this I was going to say, I agree. It's like everybody talks that that's a buzzword. It's like, it's, it's very woke to say the word transparency, <laughs> but then nobody's, nobody's transparent. You know, it's like, let's hide as much as we can. Yes. It, and I see it all the time. The first instinct is to cover. You're right. You're, to cover up your app. When I think about it, you're right. The first instinct is to cover up and, uh, uh, so the, to protect the political uh, reputation of whatever leaders in charge. So they do that all the time in the city of Chicago. They're still doing that. They're still protecting Rom. The guy's not even mayor anymore. They're still protecting Rom. <laughs> well, there's no evidence to say he engaged in a cover-up. Hello? He didn't release the tape for over a year. Hello? <laughs> That's not evidence? Oh, God. All right. You know what? I'm too fired up. Uh, to, uh, we have to change... Uh, 
let's change gears and talk about something less upsetting to me. Uh, so let's have some, let's close by having a little fun. Let's see if this works, Romana. Number one, this is something that Romana sent to me. Uh, we'll end on a higher note or a, a, a cheerfully note. We're watching uh, right-wingers make asses of themselves. Uh, and um, Laura Ingraham, and I don't know who she was talking to in this bit that you sent me. And thank you very much for sending it to me. It made my day. I've listened to it like a million times. Um, so do you know who she's talking to in this tape? Some guy with the last name Arroyo, but they were talking about um, how they don't want their pop culture or their movies and TV shows to be woke. And so they were pointing out um, the guy, the guest on the show, I, I, I know his last name is Arroyo. I should, I should know who his first name is, but he basically was pointing out to this, um, this show called You. Should I tell you a little bit about what he was talking about? Because I know you don't watch You. I don't watch you. I had never heard, uh-oh, shameful confession. I, until you sent this to me, I had never heard of this show called you. I didn't know it existed. Uh, so let I'm, me tell I you just, a little bit about it. Go ahead. <laughs> so it's about it's about this guy who works in a bookstore, and he's very like, you know, he kind of has commentary on everybody. But anyway, he falls in love with these girls, and he ends up like killing them. So, And then the the latest is that he he marries this woman who's also a killer, you know, so, you know, and then, so this episode is where they're kind of trying to figure out their marriage. They end up having a kid and it, it, it's a very, it's, it's actually a very good show because there's a lot of commentary on, you know, a lot of commentary on pop culture, a lot of commentary on society. And so this latest season was made um, probably during the pandemic. And so this, these two killers end up having a baby and the baby ends up getting measles. It turns out that, um, you know, they, they moved to the suburbs. So it turns out one of their, you know, friends in the community, he's an anti-vaxxer and didn't want his kids getting the, getting the uh, vaccine for the measles. So the woman who's like a killer too, she's furious. And as soon as he finds out it's him, you know, she owns a bakery. They have this whole facade of they live this perfect suburban life, but they're actual killers. He and she and start, so if anybody wants to watch a show, you might want to stop listening to right now, but. She ends up killing the anti-vaxxer. She ends she ends up killing the anti-vaxxer because she, you know, at the end of the day, she like put her son in jeopardy. So it's like, you know, it was it was commentary on anti-vaxxers. And so I think that's why this guy who was on Laura Ingram's show brought up the show. He's like, why are you guys like bringing up this woke thing? And so I don't know, if Ben, if you wanted to play okay, here it. Here we go. Um, I'm going to play, play it the back now. and yeah. forth. So, okay. So, just so everybody knows the joke here, you got to know this is that there's a TV show on Netflix called You, Y-O-U. There's a show <laughs> on Netflix called You. you got to set it up <laughs> so you don't end up looking like Laura Ingram. All right, here we go. You know, I was watching an episode of uh, You where measles came up. Wait, wait, wait. When did I mention measles? I don't know. It was on You. Wait, what? 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 What was on me? What are you talking about? Right? What is the, the hearing what I'm the saying? I never had the measles. Was on you. We never did a. We never did a measles and vaccine episode. Am I? Is this a joke? I, know. I don't even know it, what you're talking about. It was on you. It was on you. I've never had Raymond. I've never had measles. What are you talking about? This is stupid. It was an episode of a show, Laura. What's it called? You, what is you, it's called you. I've never done a show on measles. I, I just completely give up. We got to get it's out It's a show I, I give up. called you on Netflix. 
There's a show called Loring on Netflix. (laughs) We're both laughing because we're both laughing because it's absurd. So anyway, it turns out it was it was some sort of bit they were doing. They were doing some sort of Abbott and Costello. Wait, Tama, could you hear it when I played it? Yeah, Uh, yeah, I could hear it. I I don't know. I I don't. I I don't know if listeners or maybe Nate can. put the the clip yeah but if the listeners if the listeners had a hard time listening to it just google you and laura ingram anyway the actor the main actor who's on the show he like even tweeted about it like oh this is a total bit you know that's what he said and i thought i just thought they were so dense that they didn't know about it but then all you know everybody's like it was totally a joke and a lot of people are just saying totally not funny just like republicans i've seen people tweet that kind of stuff so it was just absurd i I mean it, it, it it was it's it so not a bit. Twitter. It's so not a bit. Laura Ingram is completely clueless. <laughs> Even at the end, the guy goes, Laura, he's so frustrated. It's like, who's on first by Abbott and Costello? You should go check that bit out. So yeah. it's like. I, I think uh, I, I, you is mostly like a lot of women watch it. But, you know, my nephew like breezed through it. But I don't know. It, it was a very popular show. I'm surprised you haven't heard about it. But it is um, it's kind <laughs> of like an entertaining show. If you wanted to watch something that's like mindless and entertaining and about like this killer and, you know, has social commentary, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's like a, it's kind of like a dark comedy. It's pretty good. All right. Well, just listen to that. The utter cluelessness of Laura Ingram and how she gets frustrated. And even after the guy explains to her, no, there's a show on Netflix called you. And he goes, there's a show on Netflix called the Laura Ingram show. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, you know what? So ladies and gentlemen, MAGA. That's your leader right there. Clueless. Uh, all right. Uh, that's, uh, and we'll end on that note. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about impeachment. You finally got to see impeachment. Uh, I'm be writing a column about it for next week or Ryan Murphy's, uh, ep- epic, uh, nine part or 10 part, um, document drama on, uh, Lewinsky Clinton. I absolutely was obsessed with it and loved it. Uh, just, uh, give you very brief thumbs up or thumbs down on the uh, in your humble opinion, Romana uh, impeachment. Thumbs up. I, I mean, I knew what happened in the story, and I've like definitely followed the cases. I've read articles um, with Monica Lewinsky, and I just thought the um, I thought the actresses did a great job. I didn't even know that was Mira Servino playing the mom. You know, you have familiar faces in there. Um, the God, why am I forgetting her name? But the woman who played, oh, Edie Falco plays um, Hillary Clinton. Even Clive Owen did a good job playing Bill Clinton. Um, I thought the acting was great. Um, and Linda Tripp, Sarah Paulson did an awesome job. And she's a Ryan Murphy staple. I don't know if you knew that or not, but she's in, I used to watch American Horror Story. And so she used to be in a lot of those shows. I think that's what kind of got her, um, got her like elevated and got her noticed. Um, so I know she's like one of his favorite stars. I thought she did a great job playing Linda Tripp. I think I think it was it was very well acted. Um, I have to read articles about whether how if there was any, you know, usually in these biopics they kind of like bend the truth. But I know Monica Lewinsky was a producer on the show or worked very closely with um, Beanie Feldstein, who played um, Monica Lewinsky on, on the show. So she was there while it was being filmed, and I read an interview about her on the show. So she was very closely related to it. So. I don't know. I'm going to read more up, read more on it, but I thought it was definitely very, very well acted. We and I, it, I look uh, forward to your column. Yeah, no, I, I got so much to say about it. Uh, and I agree with that. Riff, you did the acting folks, even if you don't care about the politics, 
Uh, Sarah Paulson, who is, as Ma, uh, Ramada said, a, a Ryan Murphy mainstay, uh, she's been in, uh, she was uh, Marsha Clark in his O.J. Simpson um, series, is absolutely fantastic as Linda Tripp, the woman who spies on Monica Lewinsky and then uh, reveals her innermost secrets to the FBI and to the Ken Starr investigators. She is so diabolically <laughs> bizarre. Uh, and Beanie Feldstein is sensational uh, as um, Monica Lewinsky. And you know what? Uh, Edie Falco kills it as Hillary Clinton. And I had this thought. Edie Falco and uh, Sarah Paulson are such great actresses, Romana. I think they could have reversed it. And they would have done brilliant. In other words, yeah. Sarah Paulson could have played Hillary and killed it as Hillary. And Edie Falco could have been the diabolically whacked out Linda Tripp. Uh Nobody looks good in this documentary. Let's just put it that way, except for Monica. I think Monica Lewinsky in the end is sort of a sympathetic uh, figure. She was a victim at the end of the day. She was only 21 at the time. Um, you know, it, it, it is very sad the way she was treated. So, um, J- you know, J-Lo, I'm not saying J-Lo, that, you know, she, yeah, it's just very, it's, it's, it's a sad situation, but yeah, I thought it was, thanks for recommending it to me. I did watch it and um, I look forward to reading your column. Yeah, I'll definitely. Uh, I'll send it to you. I'm going to write that uh, this weekend, and it'll drop next weekend. All right, Ramana, I want you to have the happiest of Thanksgivings. I know it's going to be a, a happier Thanksgiving this year. Last year, everybody was in isolation. We are following Mayor yeah. Lori Lightfoot's uh, uh, order not to get together with our families. Uh, but this year, you will be able to get together with your uh, family, and I know you guys are going to have a good time, right? Yeah, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, too. All right, that's Ramana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.